Today, I'm speaking with Teresa Turk. Teresa is an author and known as the Ritual Queen. She's a certified aromatherapist, quantum life coach, and Reiki 2 energy worker, dedicated to helping women awaken to their own strength, to step out of overwhelm and into joy. Doesn't that sound amazing? Today, we're going to be talking about her experience that stemmed from ignoring decades of hurt and trauma. Not a good idea. By burying her feelings, she was sent into a spiral of depression and anxiety that took her years of intentional hard work to come out of. Listen in while Teresa shares some of the tips she learned from the battle she won with depression. You're listening to The Inspired Wave, stories of everyday heroines, real-life inspiration. I'm your host, transformational coach and connection catalyst, C.J. Rivard. Join me weekly to hear real-life inspiration and tips for tackling your life's challenges. Each week, you'll hear from a relatable woman who shares about her struggles and the tools she used to work through them. By being women of courageous action, vision, and ongoing evolution, each of us can create a ripple of positive impact, and together, we'll create a wave of change. Join us. All right. Well, welcome. I'm so excited to be here with you again and introduce you to my new friend, Teresa Turk, who has a really inspiring story to share. Welcome, Teresa. Hi, CJ. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I appreciate your time today. This is going to be fun. So everyone just heard a little bit about you. So to get us started, can you just tell us where you are dialing in from at the moment and a little about you? Yeah, of course. So I am on the East Coast in the U.S. I reside in Pennsylvania, lived here my whole life with the exception of the first like three months of my life. I actually stem from North Carolina. I was born at an army hospital down there and, and then we came back to PA and I've been here my entire life. I, yeah, I'm married. I have been to my best friend for the past 23 years. We've been together for 25. We have two kiddos, 24 and almost 19. And yeah, next month I'm going to be 46, heading, heading towards the big 5-0 I am. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun on this journey so far and excited to see where the next chapter of my life goes. Absolutely. It sounds like you're definitely heading upward and onward. <laughs> so I'm excited to get into that. Thank yes. you. So... Well, let's start wherever you want to start. I know you had a rocky childhood. Do you want to tell us a little about your upbringing? Yeah, of course. So the funny thing about it is, is whenever I started having, you know, like my depression and, and things like that, the big question I had and like, you know, my husband was like, why? Like, what do you have to be depressed about? Right? Like that seems to be a common question for people who don't really understand the the yeah. illness. And then when I started therapy and stuff, and then like I had this light bulb moment, like, oh my God, like it comes from my childhood. Like who would have <laughs> known that? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people, but clearly not me. Yeah. So like I said, I was born at an army hospital. I, you know, my mother was 16 years old uh-huh. when she had me. Things did not go well, apparently with my father. I have very sketchy memories about my childhood that's I've learned is just part of the the trauma response. But yeah, so she moved back in, you know, lived with my grandparents for a while. She got remarried. 
I was, I didn't want to say like maybe three when she married her second husband, but you know, like it was just a world of alcoholism and drugs. And so there was a lot of addiction with her and like whatever guy she was with at the time. It was a lot of chaos and dysfunction. And like, there was just never, it was never like a calm, loving environment. That's not to say that there weren't like moments, Mm -hmm. right. Of like happiness or, you know, love, but the overall, it was more of a chaotic environment. And honestly, it carried through my entire childhood, like into teen years, you know, fast forward to being a teenager. And I can remember a time where I brought friends home, like after school, we got off the bus, we walk in the house, there's like some random guy like passed out on the couch, there's a mirror with lines of Coke on the coffee table, beer cans. I mean, how do you explain uh, an image like that to friends who don't live in that world, right? Like it was like culture shock to my friends and, you know, and to me, it's like a normal Tuesday, (laughs) right? But to them, they're like, what in the, like, oh my Lord. So, you know, that's just kind of how I grew up. And, you know, I adapted a people-pleasing mentality and those were my behaviors in order to kind of survive. And, you know, I had a younger brother. It was seven years younger than me. I always kind of felt like his caretaker to make sure like he was okay and tried to shield him from as much of the, you know, chaos as I could. But yeah, so all those years of taking care of everybody else, not letting your feelings and emotions come out and shoving them down. And then I carried that, of course, into my adulthood and into my marriage and my, you know, motherhood. And at some point it erupts. Sure. And, you know, and that's what happened to me at, I want to say I was probably like 39, 40 when I finally just couldn't. So it was under their bubble for a long time before it erupted. Right. <laughs> Had it shoved down deep. Yeah. Do you have any time frame as far as when, as a young child, you kind of realized that that wasn't a normal way, like that your friends or acquaintances might not live in that same kind of environment? Yeah, I would say it was probably younger, like maybe 10 11, 12, I had a best friend who I would spend a lot of time like at her house and like, God love her parents, you know, like they always like to, like, we actually knew each other be like as babies because her aunt and my mother, when I was really little were roommates and -hmm. like, that's how we had met. So I would spend a lot of time at her house with her family and, you know, I would see like the way they were. And then I was lucky enough that my mother's sister, so my aunt and uncle have been like parents to me, like my entire life. And so that was where I got my normal life was anytime I was with them or when I was with my, you know, best friend and her family. So I knew, you know, on some level, like my life was not normal, right? But I mean, I lived it every day. So that's just what I accepted. So Going to their houses was like, and for me, it was more of an escape from my reality mm-hmm. than realizing that their lives were more of a normal reality. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that does. Wow. It's amazing to me, just hearing the little bit of your story I've heard, it's nice you had those other role models because to go from that kind of dysfunction to a happy marriage for so many years is really like you've been with your husband a really long time yeah. and is like night and day from how you grew up. So yeah. my mother is currently, I mean, we, I cut ties with her over 20 years ago, but to the best of my knowledge, she's still on marriage number three, but I mean, that doesn't count, you know, all of the randoms that were in there in between, but yeah, I was very, very very fortunate in that I had my aunt and uncle who, you know, they really truly have been just such vital, you know, role models and inspiration and showing me, you know, what it could be. What's possible. Yeah. What's possible. And so I'm sure then you had a, a dream of what you wanted in a partner and yeah yeah so I was never like the the little girl who you know had big like career dreams or you know wanted to conquer the world or be president or you know like that was just never never my goal like my goal and my dream was to have a family a stable family yeah loving <laughs> a nice calm stable, yes. loving family. I wanted to be a mom. I wanted, you know, a loving partner. And I wanted to just have this, you know, this beautiful, you know, safe, yeah. peaceful household to, you know, live my life in. Yeah. That was my goal. Which is an amazing ambition that yeah. you <laughs> manifested. So, Talk to us about how you started noticing a problem and what you think made it bubble up, if anything, or when things started turning for you, noticing depression and was it anxiety as yeah. well? I don't know yeah. if they always go together, but yeah, I had both. And I also had some panic attacks. So I would say that there were like glimpses of it before it actually surfaced, you know, to the point extreme point that it did, you know, like I talk about in the the book that I wrote, there was a, there was a moment where, and this was probably at least probably about maybe three to five years. Sorry, I'm, time frames. I'm not great with, <laughs> I'm not great with memories and time frames, okay. but I would say it was probably at least like three to five years prior to my actual, you know, seeking help. We were remodeling our kitchen and I was sitting on the floor. I was pulling nails up out of plywood. And I just stopped and I was staring at this hammer. And I was just staring at it for probably like 10 or 15 minutes. And the thought that just kept running through my mind was, can you hit yourself in the temple with this hard enough to just be done? Oh my gosh. And you know, and like when I, and then I like snapped out of it. Right. Like, and I'm like, what, what, my gosh, like what is happening? Like why, what, you know, what is going on? So, and then there was like, of course, like when my babies were younger and we were just so busy and crazy and, you know, and my husband, he, God love him. He worked so much and so hard that, you know, a lot of times I was left, you know, to deal with the kids and all their activities because he was at work. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes it would just be so overwhelming and I would just cry and like not want to get out of bed. And so like there were always signs, right? Mm -hmm. Like that I was struggling, but never to the, but I just never voiced it or put it together, I guess. And I mean, as funny as it is, like I was working my nine to five and I had a meeting with my manager and he was like, I just want to check in and see if you're okay. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Now, let me, you know, say this, that I work in customer service, right? So like I do phone calls and I talk to people on the daily and, you know, a part of that is your manager, like reviews, calls and stuff, right? So, okay. So now that you have that understanding of it, so I'm in this meeting with my manager and he's like, I just want to make sure you're okay. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, what? <laughs> That's not how these calls usually go, right? And he's like, well, I've been listening to some of your calls, Teresa, and they're just a little bit off. Like, you don't sound like yourself. Like, you're short with people. Your tone is different. Like, there's just something off. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Meanwhile, I totally knew what he was talking about. But who wants to admit that, right? And, you know, so we're talking, we're talking. And finally, he breaks through and I break down. And, you know, at the time we had had some things going on with our daughter who was experiencing like bullying and and going through her own things. And I was trying to be so strong and get her through that. But it was like the the catalyst that sent me over the edge. Mm. And he pointed it out and I was like, he's like, I, we have some resources for you to get some counseling. And, and he's like, maybe it would be a good idea for you to take a little bit of time off, get some counseling, you know? And I was like, this must not be really bad if my boss is telling me to like go away. Right. So I did, you know, after that day, I took the resources that were available through my employer that provided like X amount of coaching sessions or therapy sessions. And, you know, I found a therapist, I started going, met with a, you know, a psychological nurse, got medication. And that was the beginning of my journey. And that was probably, probably about four or five years ago. And I mean, I still go to therapy to this day and not quite as often, but the therapist that I have now I've been, and that, that's one thing that I do want to just say real quick is if you start out your, your journey with a therapist and you're not loving it, you're not seeing results, like move on, Mm -hmm. like find another one. It's kind of like a partner. Like you're not Mm -hmm. always going to connect with that first person that you go out on a date with, right? You might have to, you might have to swipe through a few people before you find the one that you match with. So exactly. So, and, and it, I've seen probably about four therapists before Mm -hmm. I found the one that I'm with now. And I've been with her now for probably about two years. And I just, I adore her. She's super helpful. It's, we have a great relationship. If, you know, now I'm down to, we meet like maybe once a month, just as like a check-in, make sure everything's okay. But if something happens and I'm feeling way out of sorts, all I have to do is message her and be like, I need an appointment and I need one now. So it's really important to, you know, find somebody that you feel that level of comfort with. So do you think it took you so long to 
well to have someone point out that you needed help actually. (laughs) Do you think that was part of your upbringing and just not knowing what normal should be and happy and you have everything you want, but you're not happy? Did, do you think that was part of it or you just didn't want to admit that you needed help? I would say it was probably a combination. The people pleaser in me Mm -hmm. did not want to put that kind of focus on myself because I felt like it would take away from me being able to take care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And like, I just wasn't okay with that. Like my role in my life is about taking care of my family, not about taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. So admitting that I was struggling and I needed help would definitely take away from that. And Mm -hmm. I do believe that that stemmed from my upbringing, right? Because like back then you didn't say there was something wrong. (laughs) Like you, you know, you don't want attention on yourself. So you just, you know, you had to be like neutral and take care of everybody else. And you were always okay. Even if you weren't superwoman. Yeah, for sure. So I would say that that was definitely, that was definitely it. And for whatever reason, like whatever was going on in my mind back then, I was like terrified to tell my husband, which looking back on it now, like is such a ridiculous thing that I was thinking because he's so supportive, you know, and would have done anything to help. But I had it built up in my mind that it was this super embarrassing thing, like that I couldn't admit. And then mm-hmm. that meant that there was, you know, something wrong with us, with the family. Like I couldn't, I couldn't say that. But meanwhile, it had nothing to do with him and I, it had nothing to do with our family. You know, it was, it was me and my mind and my health and So yeah, that was, if I could, of course, you know, go back, I would immediately tell him the first instance that there was something wrong, Yeah, you know, but I thought I was like ninja woman, like hiding this from the world. Right. Meanwhile, I was not as sly as I thought I was. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So I know part of your message and your book, I think, which I want to talk a little more Mm -hmm. or talk about is about loving yourself. Yeah. I mean, that ties into your recovery. I would assume you want to talk a little about that and maybe what you share in the book and why people should get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So learning to let go of my people pleasing tendencies required me to learn how to love myself as much as I loved my family which meant I had to learn how to take care of myself and make myself a priority in the same way that I did them, which sounds simple, but it was very difficult because I, you know, I immediately got hit with that mom guilt and that if you take care of yourself over taking care of them, that is so selfish of you. Oh, the mom guilt. Oh, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a lot of work that had to be done around that to finally get to the realization that 
wow, by taking care of myself and making sure that I matter, I love myself, I believe I deserve to take care of myself, I'm actually better at this mom thing. I actually, you know, I can show up more, you know, alive, more present, more fulfilled for my family, for my husband, for my kids, like everybody around me benefits for me being at my best. Like, (laughs) you know, I just want to interject there because I, you already said this, but I think it bears repeating. It seems like such a simple thing. We all hear it over over and over. And of course I know I should love myself. And of course I love myself. And of course I know all of this, but it's not that simple. Or the majority of us, majority, regardless of upbringing, wouldn't have work that we need to do in this area. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't have so many blocks and limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. and people-pleasing ways, that's a big story from my past, that come up for us if it was that simple. So it's not. It's not. (laughs) And good for you for doing the work because it's work. It's a process. It is. And it's never really, it's never really done. (laughs) I will say that. Like, because that was how I went, my mindset going into this was, okay, So I'm going to get some therapy. I'm going to get some medication. I'm going to work on all of my childhood stuff. I'm going to do this work. And then poof, I'm going to be all better. I'm never going to have to sit on a meditation pillow. Never going to have to sit on a couch again. I'm going to be good to go. No. (laughs) Like it is a a lifelong journey. I've accepted that. I have realized that when I think I'm great, Mm -hmm. something triggers me. And I'm like, oof, I got some work to do around that. So there's always going to be things in life that are going to trigger you. There's going to be new things that come up that trigger something that was buried that you didn't even know was in there. So, and I just want to say that and point that out because I don't want somebody to think that has started this journey and started doing this work and then they slide down. In the past four years, I have slid into several depressive episodes. Mm -hmm. Several. It happens, especially when you're somebody who has mental illness, because it doesn't just magically go away, right? So if you are putting the work in, kudos and blesses to you, because that is amazing. Be proud of yourself. We are proud of you for doing it. But if you have a bad day, or you have a slip, or you start to feel like crap again, know that it's okay. The whole point of doing all the work is that so when you hit that wall, you have these resources in this little toolbox that you created to help you work through that new thing that comes at you or that bad day that comes at you or week or whatever your case may be. But so don't feel like you failed or that you should give up. That's just, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. There is no failure. Only feedback. (laughs) And it is a journey. It truly is. Yeah. And I use the analogy instead of like going straight up a mountain, it's like waves. Yes. (laughs) And we do a little of this. Then, you know, yeah, it's not a straight path by any means. And that's a really great point because 
I tell you, I, not all women, but so many of us are just so self-critical oh, <laughs> and so that's part much. of loving ourselves. But, you know, you just think you should be better and do more or be further ahead or whatever, instead of yeah. just loving where you are mm -hmm. and knowing it's a process and you're doing the best you can and to keep going as long as you keep getting back up right. you're, you're in the game, right? Exactly. Yep. But I think a really, really important point you've made or I, I heard in your story is just having that awareness that like for you, it seemed like just the awareness that this is not normal and it's okay to want to be happier more of the time or to seek help. It's, you have to have that awareness that there's, there's help and it's not, you don't have to accept that miserable feeling. Um, right. It's a choice. You get the choice to stay in the misery or you get the choice to make a change. Yeah. And it sounds easy enough to decide to make the change, but it's not like, especially if the misery is all you've ever known. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. To make that change. So you have to, and nobody can do it for you. Nobody can be, you know, nobody can force you. Nobody can push you to it. It's a choice that you have to make when you are ready, but just keep in mind, either way you go. It's a choice and it's yours. <laughs> a choice is yours. That is a great, great point. So what have we not pulled out of your story that you'd like our listeners to really get home? Yeah. It's hard to wrap up a whole story in 30 minutes, <laughs> yes, exactly. but we've, co we've covered a lot. I just, I really want to get across how important I think it is that every woman, every mom, I mean, every person, but mm -hmm. you know, me speaking, I primarily work with mom and women. You deserve to live your life feeling peaceful and joyful. And the thing that I like to get across and say to, to women that, you know, that I talk to, that I work with, that I connect with is if you spend your entire existence waiting for big moments to be happy, and by big moments, I mean the celebrations, right? The birthdays, the anniversaries, the holidays, looking forward to a vacation. Like if that is the only time that you feel calm or peaceful or happy or joy, like 90% of your life is being wasted away in misery and just waiting. So you're like waiting yourself out of this incredible existence that you could be having. Yeah. And it takes work. And I know that's scary. I know it is incredibly frightening to say to somebody that you need help or that you're not as happy as you're projecting. I know that, but 
if you spend a small amount of time getting that help, then the rest of your time can be spent actually living in the space that makes you light up every day and that you don't wake up and think, oh my God, I got to do this today. Oh, I can't wait for vacation six months from now. Like you don't want to spend your life like that. It's no fun. And you only get one. So you got to find a way to make it the best. So you deserve it. You are worthy of it. And it's completely up to you to just make that decision. Yeah. Or you used this great word earlier to realize you have choice. Yeah. You get to get up every day and choose happy. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can get there immediately by yourself if you're struggling, but you get to choose what you want and take steps to make it happen. Yes, you do. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So tell us where our listeners can find out more about you and check out your book, which is called... Yeah, so my book is called Uncensored, A Guide to Putting on Your Big Girl Panties. It is my life. It is a self-help memoir, so it's all about me, but it is for you. It is a guide to help you see yourself in any of my stories, take the lessons. Every chapter has resources. There's actually a journal also and a coloring book that I created to go with it. But yeah, the book is definitely... It's my life, but it is meant to be a guide to help you better your life. And that is, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. If you prefer e-reader, it's on every e-reader platform out there. And you can find out more about me on my website. It's theritualqueen.com. I'm on Instagram at theritualqueen. So I'm pretty easy to find. I love it. I love it. Well, I will definitely go to check that out. (laughs) And I encourage everyone listening to as well. And Teresa, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation, but not only, you know, fun to chat with you, of Mm -hmm. course, but I think really eye-opening for some people. And I hope everyone goes away with the knowledge that, you know, it's okay to ask for help and choose happy. Yeah. I and so. you're worth it. <laughs> yeah. That's that my great. mission. That's my, my goal is to get everybody to, to see that in themselves. So thank you for giving me a platform to share. And thank you for sharing. Yes, that was fabulous. And thank you everyone for listening, tuning in with us today. Let's make it a great day. Take care. If you're like most women you have a big dream on your heart and really want to make a positive impact in the lives of others. But self-doubt, fear, or other limiting beliefs often get in your way. What many women don't realize is that the one thing that can catapult them forward is deepening their self-love and self-esteem. So I have a free ebook for you that's really going to help you in this area. It's called 30 Days to Deepen Self-Love, and you can download it at the link in our show notes. Enjoy.